And we also hope that you have a collision with God because that's really what I think church should be. It's not uh, going through religious calisthenics, you know, I'm at church, I'm doing my stuff, I'm good, you know, I'm good, God doesn't have to do anything in, with me. And when we start having that mindset, friend, we really are walking on dangerous ground because we're drifting away from him instead of moving towards him. So we're here, we're celebrating the presence of God, and if you're watching online, thanks for tuning in. Uh, pull up your notes on the uh, Life Church webpage or the Facebook page. Um, I've got mine right here. Some of you may notice that the um, offering envelopes, the guest, uh, the connect cards are not sitting by you. We thought we'd give you more room in your chairs. Uh, they're available at Guest Central, so you have a little more effort um, to pick those up, but uh, you can find them. They're, they're everywhere. A couple things. Um, Joe Detmer is in uh, Costa Rica um, serving with a, the Young Life Missions team there. He's coming back Thursday. And Matt Straka is in Zambia. He be, he's uh, been there two months. He's coming back in a month. And I, I was thinking, I miss these guys, man. You know, when they're not here, I miss them. And uh, I look forward to... Um, when they land back in, in Wisconsin, don't you? Won't you? <laughs> and one more thing. Uh, next Sunday, we have a guest coming from uh, Liberia, West Africa, named uh, John and Anya Erickson. And just a heads up, uh, John and I were youth pastors uh, around the same time in the Chicago area, back in the day. And... Um, he started sensing God's call to missions, and he actually moved in with us in our home. And in preparing to go to uh, West Africa, he started sleeping on a basement floor on the concrete. And that's the kind of guy he is. Um, uh, before he got married in Africa, he, he, got, he was sick all the time because he, he lived with the people, he ate their food, and um, really gave his life. He's, he's really beloved uh, in, in West Africa, man, when you go there uh, and, and see that. So he's going to be here with his wife, Anya, next Sunday. And uh, I'm, I'm just giving you a heads up because this is somebody you, you don't want to miss. Um, of course, you don't want to miss anybody on Sunday's at Life Church. But um, yeah, man. Um, Debbie and I and Caden were there years ago um, seeing the work he, he was doing, and, and it's, you'll hear more about it, so um, just get ready. We are continuing um, in our series in the book of Philippians, you have, and you should have your Bibles, right? You should have your Bibles. Um, you want to open it uh, to Philippians because that's where we're going to camp out for the next few moments. During the American Revolution, there was a pastor by the name of Peter Miller, uh, who was always opposed and humiliated by Michael Whitman. And Whitman hated God. He, had, he hated anything to do with God. And so he harassed Miller all the time. And um, one day, Mr. Whitman was arrested for treason, and he was sentenced to die. Well, rather than breathe a, a sigh of, a, of relief, Peter Miller, the pastor, walked 70 miles to plead for his enemy's life. And so when General George Washington first listened to the plea, he told Miller that he would grant the life of his friend. <laughs> and when Miller heard that, man, he, he about jumped out of his skin. He said, man, uh, listen, Whitman, Whitman is, is not my friend. He is a bitter enemy of mine. And uh, when Washington heard that appeal from Miller, he granted a pardon for Michael Whitman. Peter Miller did what 
we should all do as followers of Christ. We love our enemies. Maybe you don't feel like it, but you do for those people the way Jesus would respond to them. And in our text today, you're gonna, we're going to see that there was uh, some stuff hitting the fan in the church. And the cool thing is that uh, Paul writes about it. He doesn't bury it in the weeds, you know, thinking this is bad publicity for the church. Uh, instead, he puts it up in front and um, lets us know that, hey, this stuff goes on. And we have a responsibility to deal with it. So, 1 Corinthians 16, 14, we do everything with love. Philippians 1, 9, I pray, Paul says, that your love will overflow more and more. So, let's take a look at Philippians 4. We're going to read the first five verses. And we'll press on. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters... Stay true to the Lord. I love you and long to see you, dear friends. For you are my joy and the crown I receive for my work. Now I appeal to you, Odia and Sintichi. Please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. And I ask you, my true partner, to help these two women, for they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. They worked along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are written in the book of life. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your word, and uh, we're grateful that your word is reliable and it's practical and it's relevant for the days that we're living. And we pray, Lord, today that your spirit would have the freedom to work in each one of our lives and, and in a, uh, a group of people like this, I'm sure there's people that really don't want to be here. There's some that are here because they're searching for the truth. Maybe they're tired of being lied to, and they want to hear what you have to say. And there's others here, Lord, that want to continue growing in their walk with you, and maybe some that are just coasting, cruising. It's summertime, man. We just uh, sit in the beach chairs and call it the day. But Lord, we have a decision to make. And we choose to open our hearts, our lives to you as you speak and will speak. In Jesus' name, amen. Disharmony has been around for a long time. Um, It's nothing new. The early churches were anything but pockets of perfection. Christians in places like Corinth, Galatia, Rome, Thessalonica, Man, they had their troubles, um, and um, even Philippi we see even today. Uh, the group of followers of Christ there, one of which uh, uh, Paul kind of zeroes in. You know, he's got his <laughs> he's got his pointer like this, uh, and he's pointing his, his his gizmo at these two ladies uh, to get the church's attention, and so. Um, um, we see that Paul is 800 miles away from the church. Uh, he's under house arrest, chained to a Roman guard. And earlier in the letter, in chapter 1, verse 27, he writes, Above all, he's just kind of, you know, here's a reminder on how you and I should be living our lives. You must, you must, uh, you should, maybe if you feel like it, no, you must, Live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then, whether I come and see you again, remember he's 800 miles away under house arrest, or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose. 
fighting together for the faith, which is the good news, the good news, the gospel. Jesus loved us so much, he went to the cross, he paid for our sin in full by dying, shedding his blood, and on the third day, he came out of that grave, and 40 days later, he ascended to heaven. So uh, that's the good news, man. And Paul reminds us in verse 5, remember, flare in the air, the Lord is coming soon. You know, yeah, he's in heaven, but he's coming soon. He's not going to stay there indefinitely. He is coming back, and we should be living our lives accordingly. So number one in your notes, oh, oh, how I love you. You feel the emotion there? Oh, how I love you. Oh, how I love you. Therefore, it gets mushy. You know, when you think of the Apostle Paul, you think of this dude who's, you know, he's tough. He's weathered a lot of adversity, but he's not jaded. Life, life can put calluses on you, friend, and we have to be careful that we don't let life beat us up to where we lose the heart and passion to exemplify Jesus Christ. Mm. Listen to this. My dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love you and long to see you, dear friends, for you are my joy and the crown I receive for my work. Therefore, what Paul is doing, he's building a bridge going back to chapter 3, which was a chapter a lot about doctrine. And now he's connecting it with chapter 4, which gives us practical advice on how we should take that doctrine and put it to practical use, apply it to our lives on a daily basis. And um, before, before he gets into that emotional uh, dissertation to the church, he challenges them. And so, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. What's that about? What's that about? It's a military term. Now, you know, Paul, he, he loves imagery. He uses athletics a lot, and he uses the military a lot. And in our culture today, we are, we are leaning into athletics. You see that where parents are taking their children everywhere all the time to keep them involved in sports. The military, we are drifting, we're drifting away from the importance of our military. Right here today, right now, friend, China knows exactly what's going on in our country. They are embedded in our country. Communist China. Paul pulls up the military, the imagery here. And it's a charge, really, from a commanding officer to his men that are beneath him. And he's charging them to hold their position on the battlefield at any cost. No retreat, no, no staying faithful to the positions that you're, you're committed to. No matter what goes on around you, you may be attacked by the enemy, but you have orders, and that is to stay true to where you need to be. Stay true. Let's go back in history. In November 1950, the Korean War, the first Marine Division of 10,000 men were surrounded by the Chinese who were 120,000. 120,000 to 10. The odds are against you. Plus, it was 40 degrees below zero at the time. It looked like a hopeless situation. But the Marines dug in. They would not give up the fight. 
The Chinese army wanted to destroy the Marines, and that was their goal, but they failed in their mission. The Marines took their orders. They stuck together. Their teamwork cemented them as a band of brothers, and they were known as the Frozen Chosen on the Chosen Reservoir. They stuck together. That is the imagery that Paul is giving to the church, man. 40 degree below weather, you're outnumbered by the enemy, 120,000 to 10,000. What's going through your mind? Run for your lives. Dig a hole and call it a day. No, no. Paul is saying, listen, listen, stay true. And in our world today, where it looks like everything's collapsing around us, we know that Jesus Christ is still in control. He's coming back for a church without spot and wrinkle. That means it's successful, man. It's, it's making a difference. It's salt and it's light in the culture. Not weak. Oh, feeling sorry for ourselves. No, 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 no. Stay true. Stay true. And uh, Paul was saying to the Philippian church, man, you are in spiritual warfare. This is what's going on. Before he gets into an example of that spiritual warfare, he's saying, listen, stay true. You're positioned in soldiers of, of Jesus Christ on the front line, man, and you are there to make a difference. You've got to hold your position no matter how godless the culture becomes. This is back in the day when Paul wrote this to the church. I have to tell you, man, with everything hitting the fan in our world, I'm reminded of the film Lord of the Rings because the allegory, of course, is it's a battle for good versus evil. You know, it's, it's right there. It's very obvious where the evil wants to overthrow the, the good, the light. Maybe we need to be reminded of that fact, that there is a battle raging in our world today, good versus evil. Thinking this is summertime, you know. Do you think what Paul is saying, stay true, do, do the military say, hey, it's summer? I'm going to take a break. You know, thinking back in World War II, you know, the uh, D-Day was on June 6th. You know, that's summer, almost. No, they're committed all the time. That's what Paul is saying, man. We, have, we need to be committed constantly that we're in the battle. Now, I've got this nifty hymn book. It looks pretty old, which it is. But um, on page 474, if you want to take your hymn books, there's a song, Onward Christian Soldiers, marching as to war with the cross of Jesus going on before, Christ the royal master leads against the foe, the foe, forward into battle. See his banners go, onward Christian soldiers marching as to war with the cross of Jesus going on before. You have to realize that in the modern hymn books today, this hymn is out. They took it out because it's messy. We don't like to think about onward Christian soldiers. Paul is reminding the church at Philippi that there's a battle raging, and they need to stay firm. Um, we must never compromise the gospel. There, there is a bleeding of the gospel in our country right now where the importance, the, the number one priority of putting your faith in Jesus Christ and realizing that Jesus died for, for my sin because he loved me and because he wanted me to be with him forever um, and the enemy thought that he had Jesus beat by Jesus dying, but he came out of that grave. That's being replaced by social issues 
in our culture today. That's becoming the priority. Can I tell you a little secret? Social issues will not get you into heaven. See, there's, there's been a great exchange. The gospel is most important because you have a soul that will live forever, either in heaven or hell, one or the other. No middle ground. And, and, and the enemy, this battle that's raging, he has is, he is used the sleight of hands to, to get us all worked up over the here and the now instead of the eternal. My rights, my feelings, etc. And so the gospel has been put on the shelf and social issues have taken the place. There's a battle raging against the gospel, friend. And we have to be aware of that. Paul says, stay true. You don't, you don't go AWOL. You don't flee the battlefield, which we see a lot of deconstruction of faith with you know, popular Christians today which you, you start to question, maybe they're right. See, there's, the, there's a real battle going on. Paul is saying, stay true to what you've been taught. That's why it's imperative you stay in the Bible, reading the Bible. Um, it keeps us... Gives us good perspective. Now listen to what Paul, he he has given us several verses that back this up in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. In other words, stay true on the battlefield. 1 Corinthians 16, 13, be on guard, stand firm. In other words, stay true in the faith. Be courageous, be strong. Ephesians 6.11, put on all God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. You're staying true. Stand your ground. It's a lot of military imagery here, friends. Huh? You bet. 2 Thessalonians 2.15, with all these things in mind, dear brothers and sisters, stand firm and keep a strong grip on the teaching we passed on to you both in person and by letter. So Paul it seems to be um, drilling down on this thing true to the Lord, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Seems to be a, a consistent message because he's seen the enemy at work firsthand. Man, if you have not had an encounter with the enemy, you know, pushback, temptation, discouragement, then you're not on the battlefield, man. You're fighting with the enemy. There should be something going on in your life. The resistance of pushing back and... Um, Paul is encouraging the church to stay true. Stay true. Now, after this, after this incredible imagery of, of on the battlefield and staying true to the cause of Jesus Christ, he transitions now into verse 1b. I love you and I long to see you, dear friends, for you are my joy and crown I receive from my work. There's a, um, there's a hymn called Down From His Glory. And it goes like this. Oh, hi. <coughs> oh. Let's try it again. <laughs> oh, how I love him. How I adore him. My breath, my sunshine, my all in all. The great creator became my Savior, and all God's fullness dwelleth in him. Mm. Oh, how I love him, how I adore him. Now, see, Paul, thinking about this, um, I love you. Back in 
when I was a young man and struggling really with, with my faith, I, I, uh, I had kind of distanced myself away from the Lord because I felt like, you know, I, I had these plans and God wasn't jumping on board with them. Uh, maybe that sounds familiar with you, but I did. And I felt sorry for myself. And, and I didn't, and the other complication was I didn't feel good enough for God to love me. So anyway, God put me through a series of events where he, he got my attention and I had to repent of that wrong thinking. That's something that the enemy likes to plant in God's people, that you're never good enough. You have to try harder. And so after he liberated me from, from that wrong thinking, and I was experiencing really God's love for the first time, like wave after wave, and um, it liberated me because I, I had experienced the great love of God to begin to tell people that I love you. I love you. Because when God pours his love in, it frees you to give it away. And I remember uh, when that first happened, I mean, my own brother, you know, took his breath away. We've had this conversation many times. You know, he remembers that day specifically. It's liberating. And I, and I bring up Paul because Paul understood his identity in Christ, that he was loved, that he was accepted, that he was adopted into God's family. Yeah. He was fired up over that. Which so 800 miles away, he's writing this letter, he's thinking about the church in Philippi, he's saying, I love you! And that's not all. That's not all. I love you, agape. That's the highest form of love. Beloved. Uh, the NIV says, you're my beloved. Um, it's, it's an endearing term um, to the church. And then he says, uh, I long to see you. And that word long, that's another endearing word. I long I long to see you. It expresses a strong desire. And it's only used this time, right here in Philippians 4, the only time in the New Testament, which shows really the heart that Paul had for the church at Philippi. There was a real bond there, a deep affection. And then he goes on to say, dear friends. In other words, when you... Have, when you have friends and then you have dear friends, there's a line there, isn't there? Huh? Your dear friends? You'll have more of her pizza. <laughs> Your friends, you'll go to Culver's. Maybe. Um, and then he says, he identifies them as my joy, for you are my joy. I mean, do you feel where Paul's going here? He is just bubbling out with affirmation and love and his commitment to the church here. Dear friends, in an abiding relation, my joy, a cause for great excitement. Man, if you could pull the veil back over Paul's heart, you would see his heart jumping up and down. Woo! Joy, joy, joy! The joy meter jumping out, man. Poof. Yeah. Man, he's thinking, man, the church at Philippi, they're remaining strong, they're faithful. It brings me so much joy. And the crown I receive from my work, crown re re refers to the victor's crown, the laurel wreath. You know, during the Olympics or the competition, the winner would receive that laurel wreath. Paul is saying that's the crown. Uh, the church at Philippi will be his crown because he invested in them. He 
presented the gospel to them and the people acknowledged they put their faith in Christ. And, and so he's, um, he's celebrating that. He's celebrating that. And I have to tell you this morning, that Debbie and I love Life Church. And when I say Life Church, I mean you, the people at Life Church. The joy that you bring us and have given us. We love being here with you. We love serving together with you. If you could pull the veil back over our hearts, you would see them. Jumping for joy. Life Church is jumping for joy. Jumping for joy. It's true. It's true, and we're grateful. We're grateful as Paul was grateful for the church at Philippi. We're grateful for Life Church and for you. So grateful. Number two, Paul, now after pouring out his love and affirmation to the people, Remember, he gets his pointer out. Boom! All the way from Rome, man. He gets the pointer out and he, he points it. Resolve the conflict, you too. Resolve the conflict, you too. Verse 2, now I appeal to Euodia and Syntyche. Please, please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. And I ask you, my true partner, to help these two women, for they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. They worked along with Clement and the rest of my coworkers, whose names are written in the book of life. And so now Paul, after pouring his heart out to, to the church, really becoming vulnerable to them, you know, because a lot of people withhold their love and affirmation because they don't want to get hurt. You know, they put their heart on the table and they think somebody's going to stamp it. Crush it. Paul doesn't worry about that. Now he, he says there's a problem here, and we need to deal with it. And it seems like these, these two ladies were part of the really core group of the, that early church, that church plant. And <clears throat> they're falling out. Their, their disagreement had gone 800 miles all the way into this house arrest building where Paul was chained to a Roman guard and got his attention. And, and so he, he, had a, he had to deal with it. He had to bring it to their attention. And, you know, since human history, early human history, Cain and Abel, man, eight, Genesis 4, Genesis 1, 2, 3, 4. Genesis 4, you got a brother killing a brother, right? There, the adversity, the... Mm, the conflict between individuals goes back a long time. And really, there's no church that escapes it. Um, we at Live Church have gone through times challenging, like any church. And the Lord has been so good, faithful over these past several years, man, as we walk in unity, as we um, encourage one another to keep our eyes on Christ and that it's not about me, you know. It's about God, his kingdom, the gospel. That's what's important. And so Paul uh, calls these ladies out by name, and this is the only time their names are in the Bible. You know, they're having a cup of coffee, man, at Dunkin' Donuts and Oh, yeah, Euodia and Syntyche. Oh, yeah, yeah, we know about them. A bunch of troublemakers in the church, you know. They made posters of their, you know, the two ladies, you know, and they, they mailed them out to all the church people. How would you like to have that happen to you? The only time your name's in the Bible is when the pointer's coming after you. You bad. You bad, man. So <clears throat> the conflict comes and Paul writes about it. And remember, this is a letter. This is a letter that, that Paul is writing to the church. 
And so uh, you can imagine while this letter is being read, now we're in chapter four, so it's been a little time, you know, 12 minutes. And maybe some people are starting to nod off. Oh, that's good, Paul, that's good. And then when he writes, um, I appeal to you, Yodia and Sintichi. Settle your disagreement. Everybody wakes up. Everybody's looking at these two ladies because that's where Paul lands. <laughs> they have the church's attention. And so you, you and in case some of you want to name your daughter Yodia, it means sweet smell. <laughs> and somebody else may want to name their daughter Sintichi. That means friendly, pleasant acquaintance. Um, I don't know what happened, but their sweet smell and friendly didn't, weren't getting along. <laughs> what happened, man? Paul, Paul's talking about that. <clears throat> yeah, Ephesians 6, 10 through 12 in the message, uh, I like the way it, it presents it. God is strong and he wants you strong. So take everything the master has set out for you, well-made weapons of the best materials, and put them to use so you will be able to stand up to everything the devil throws at you. What is the devil throwing at people in church today? He's, he's saying, man, your feelings, you, they weren't, they weren't. Man, you got your feelings hurt. They they didn't they didn't count on you, and you weren't on that list. And he, uh, you know, so so he's dealing a lot with the feelings and emotions of people. That's what the enemy loves to do. This is no weekend war that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple hours. This is for keeps a life and death fight to finish to the finish against the devil and all his angels. Um. We talk about spiritual warfare uh, in relationships, and you, you have seen it in marriages, you've seen it in friendships, you've seen it in a lot of different ways, families, etc. Um, a study has been done with missionaries serving overseas, and the number one reason why missionaries leave the field is because they can't get along with other missionaries. Think about that. They can't get along with each other. They're, they're serving the same God. Their mission is the same, to present the gospel. But they let their feelings get in the way. You hurt my feelings. I want to do it my way. See? You see how that works? Yes or no? Yes. Yeah, that's how it works. And so when God calls someone to serve a nation, a village, with the gospel, the good news, that is thwarted by the enemy who makes our feelings more important than the gospel. You see how that works? Huh? You see how that works? So we have a responsibility. Paul is saying we have a responsibility not to let that happen. He's saying, basically, if we could paraphrase Paul, knock it off, ladies. Yeah, knock it off. And let's get on with it, what's important. Get in the same boat and start rowing in the same direction. That's what's important. So in sub-point one, you belong to the Lord. The reason why they need to deal with this, Paul is saying, you belong to the Lord. That's what's important. Please. Please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. You belong to the Lord. 1 Corinthians 6, Paul writes, you do not belong to yourself. See, we, we, Christianity, America, it's all about me. It's all about my feelings, and, and I want to do it my way. And Paul says, no, no. You do not belong to yourself. When you put your faith in Christ, you signed off on you being in control. For God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God. Right? Yes. That's our response. We honor him. And um, so Paul is saying, it's, it's not this, I need to win. You know, I need to win. I need to put another notch on my belt. I won this conflict. No. He's saying, 
they need to start asking, what does God want? Not, what do I want? That's the big picture. That's what we need to do. What does God want? And so when believers start fighting amongst themselves, several things happen. One, the Lord's reputation is harmed. It is. People are watching. People are listening. The church's outreach is diminished. You know, kind of a dark cloud lands on that church, and conflict moves you closer to Satan than the Lord. You're taking on the personality of Satan when you are pro-conflict. You're siding with the enemy. Abe Lemons, he was the head basketball coach at the University of Texas for several years, and he was asked um, if he was bitter after he was fired by the Texas athletic director. Um, And he said, not at all, but I plan to buy a glass Bonham car so I can watch the look on his face when I run him over. (laughs) Mr. Nice Guy, right? Unfortunately, that mindset can creep into the church. Hmm? I lost. I want to win. I'm going to get back. Colossians 3.14, above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Yeah. There's a uh, Peanuts cartoon. Lucy says to Snoopy, there are times when you really bug me, but I must admit there are also times when I feel like giving you a big hug. And Snoopy replies, that's the way I am. I'm huggable and buggable. (laughs) So it is with relationships. Have you noticed? We, We can all be huggable at times and we can all be buggable at times. So let's give each other some grace. Come on. Let's give each other some grace. Nobody's perfect. Um, so, we have a responsibility to protect the unity at Life Church, each one of us. It's our responsibility to do that well. Uh, Paul says in Ephesians 4 3, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Make every effort, Paul is saying, to keep yourselves united. Make every effort to keep yourself united. Let's go back to the dudes, man, on uh, Chosen Reservoir in 1950 in Korea. Do you think they're worried about their personal feelings on that battlefield when their lives are being threatened by the enemy? No, they're, they're fighting for each other. That's the number one priority. They'll do it on the right and do it on the left. They want to keep them alive, right? That's the priority. When we realize we're on a battlefield, it's not about me, it's about the gospel. Protecting the people around me as we go forward, rowing that boat in the same direction. So let's do it. Let's do it. Number two, the second reason why Paul says you need to work this thing out is your names are in the book. It's a good reason. He says, I ask you, my true partner, to help these women. Nobody knows for sure who this true partner is. There's no name. It just says true partner, and it's evidently a leader in the church in Philippi to whom the letter was sent. It's it's this um, true partner that's reading the letter to the church. And Paul is saying, you need to be that that go-to person to reconcile these two ladies, man, to work through whatever problems they've had. And we know that these women are genuine followers of Christ because their names are in the book of life. You know, they've put their faith there. Plus, here here it is again, friends, we're going back into a military type imagery. He says, they worked hard with me. The imagery is like gladiator warfare. They worked hard they stood side by side. They, they pushed back against the resistance of the gospel going out. We, that we stood side by side together. He's saying, it's, it's like a glad, they fought side by side with me. That's what it literally means. 
How's it going with you? Well, Paul goes back in Philippians 2. He's speaking from experience here on how we should be living our lives. Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other. You know, wholeheartedly. Loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. How many of you have signed up for the fact that I want to have the attitude Jesus has? Huh? Yeah, man. That's me. So when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're saying, I want to be like Jesus, not it's all about me. I'm going to have a monument built about for me. Uh, I want to be important. I want to be valuable. No. No, we sign off. We're dead to that. It's all about having the same attitude that Jesus has. That's, when we, that's what we're working for. And so... Um, Paul is saying that's from experience. Now we go to Philippians 1.18, but that doesn't matter whether their motives are false or genuine. The message about Christ is being preached either way, so I rejoice and I will continue to rejoice. Philippians 1.18, remember there were people, colleagues of Paul that were undermining the message that he had taught and he's under house arrest, he can't do anything about it. And they're, they're saying, oh yeah, Paul, yeah, he's a bad dude. He's so bad, they stuck him in prison. You see, they're defaming Paul's reputation. What does Paul say? It doesn't matter. You see? He's speaking from experience to the church in Philippi. I, I've gone through it, man. I'm experiencing it. People talking bad about me. People talking down about me. People defaming me. He says it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter as long as the gospel of Jesus Christ is proclaimed. That's what matters. And that's what's important. Proverbs 17, 9, love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. I'm grateful for the people that serve at Life Church that their motives it's all about Jesus, right? It's all about Jesus. So, Paul is saying, I know you're trying to discourage me. Yeah, I'm stuck under house arrest, but guess what's going to happen? I'm going to write letters to the churches at, and for the Philippians, the Ephesians, the Colossians, and Philemon. See how that works out for you. You know, the enemy meant it for bad. Look what Paul does. Use it for the glory of God. And uh, verse 3b, they worked along with Clement and the rest of our, my co-workers whose names are written in the book of life. Clement is another man who had spiritual influence at the church. They were all working together. And Paul is saying, come on. Come on, ladies. Let's pull it together. Let's get on the same page. Let's model the great character of Christ. Friend, this morning I want to encourage you to do the same thing. I don't know where you're at right now in your life. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what kind of adversity you're going through. What kind of thoughts race through the back of your mind. But this morning we get to be intentional about saying, I'm going to live for Jesus Christ. I'm going to model his character. I'm going to model his attitude all the time. My feelings have nothing to do with it. Yes. God knows what I'm going through. He'll take care of me. Yes. Yo. Yes. Let him do it. Let him work. See what he does. We'll see what he does. Father, we thank you this morning for the encouragement that we receive from Paul. Lord, Again, it's, it's pretty neat that the Bible doesn't sanitize everything to make it look great and wonderful. 
But it shows us humanity. It shows us the good, the bad, and the ugly at times and how we need you, Lord. We need your help. We need to keep our eyes fixed on you when stuff happens to us. And we pray today, Lord, for every person watching online and every person in this room. You know exactly what each of us is going through, what each of us is dealing with. And Lord... We get it. There's times we want to just protect ourselves. And but how cool it is just to trust you to take care of us. How cool it is to say with Paul, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter in the scheme of things. What really matters is that the good news of Jesus Christ is modeled well. That's what's important. And so, Lord, I pray for each one of us today that we would, you know, say, I'm going to recommit to that. I'm going to dial in even more on that. I've been maybe lazy, you know. I'm keeping my mind on Christ and modeling him. Lord, let's recommit to that today. And maybe you're here today. You don't have a relationship with Jesus. You can say, Jesus, I put my trust in you totally. You died on the cross. You took my place. You paid for my sin, dead and full, Lord. I believe you paid it all. Forgive me of my sins, Lord. I'm inviting you to become my spiritual leader, and I will live for you the rest of my life through the power of your spirit. That's the beginning of that new relationship that God wants to have with you. We say yes to you, Lord. We say yes to you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for working in our lives for your honor. In Jesus' name, amen.